Welcome to Behind the Curtain, where we discuss everything from aliens and conspiracies to ancient civilizations and religions, all from a biblical perspective. Welcome back, everyone. Today, as promised, is part two of Spirits in Prison. We continue our conversation on the Book of Enoch and other religions and cultures that Israel would have encountered and what they all had to say about the flood and the spiritual beings that supposedly interfered with humankind and what the result of that was. I'll just say this is probably one of my favorite episodes so far, so I'm not going to give any more away. Hope you enjoy. we've gone in detail of what the watchers you know when I, talk, when I say watchers the, these angels here that are in prison uh, which second Peter let's let's look at second Peter 2 4 yeah real read quick. that one yeah Peter's writing and he says for if God did not spare the angels when they sinned but cast them into hell which the word there is Tartarus again and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment where is Peter getting this idea of angels sinning yeah, you know, if if the Sethite view, angels if the Sethite view is is true, what the heck is Peter talking about? Yeah, where is he getting this information about angels sinning and being cast down into Tartarus for chains and all this stuff? Like, where is he getting that idea? He's getting it straight from the Book of Enoch. Yeah, so this is where Genesis six. You know, I mean, I know some people like the Sethite view and they're not going to change their mind. Sure, that's cool because you can still follow Jesus and believe that yeah. there aren't angels, but but there is. I'm just going to say it. There mm. is no context for this being humans in Genesis 6. None whatsoever, yeah. And so, like, the, the, what it says in Genesis 6 is the sons of God. Now, that phrase, it doesn't matter what English translation you read it is. Right. Because remember we talked about Psalms 82 sometimes says the sons of Israel. Right. Right. And there are other passages where it says Israel instead of God. It says the yeah, sons of Israel. That's a bad translation. Well, in Genesis 6, it... It doesn't ever get translated that way. It always gets translated as the sons, sons of God. Of God. Yeah. And so they say, well, that's the descendants of Seth because they're godly. But the sons of God, that phrase never gets used in the Old Testament for humans. Not for humans, no. And so I, I wrote it, in case you guys don't believe me, I wrote it down. Genesis 6, mm-hmm. we're already talking about Genesis 6 when it says sons of God saw the daughters of man were attractive, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Um, Genesis 6, 4, the sons of man came into the daughters of men. They bore children to them. And mm-hmm. it's talking about the giants. Deuteronomy 32, 8. Mm-hmm. Deuteronomy 32 is a huge deal. And we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. Yep. But it says, when the Most High gave the nations their inheritance and he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the people according to the number of the sons of God. Yep. That's the one that gets translated Israel sometimes. Right, but right. it's 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 sons of God. So, it's B'nai Elohim. Then the Elohim other, does not mean Israel. Elohim means God or gods, yeah. divine persons. Yep. And then the rest of the references are in Job, um, Job 1 and 2, when it says that a day came when the sons of God presented themselves. Mm-hmm. That's obviously not humans. Right. He's talking about the divine council. He's talking about divine beings being meeting with Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Job 38, and he says that he talks about creation, and he says the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Well, there weren't humans right. at creation. Yeah, before so, humans. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, there's, it's not until the New Testament that the sons of God starts to mean humans. You start to get that title 
as being grafted in a, in a sense like you have this 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 idea of being grafted back or going back to yeah. the way things were. Yeah, because remember it calls Adam the son of God. Right. So he's exactly. the only human in the Old Testament that got, that got called the son of God. Right. And it's this idea of going back to Eden. Right. Like going back to God's original yep. state of us being in the council of God himself. Yeah, I believe in it's that uh, group. Romans 8, right, that says so, that so, all creation groans for right, the day that the sons right, of God will be revealed. Right, yep. And then using this baptism imagery we just talked about, about going down and be, and then rising with Christ, yeah, yeah. we're being converted into sons of God. That's we're a being poke in the eye redeemed. to all the gods right there yeah. every time we do that. We're essentially <laughs> replacing them. Yeah, definitely. They, they rebelled yeah, and we are taking a place. We're taking our allegiance with someone else yeah. and that's Yahweh. Yep. And, and, and think about counsel. that terminology, you know, oh, I'm a son of God or I'm a daughter of God. Like that means a lot more than what you think it means. Yeah. Well, if you if you come from a naturalist or materialist background, you know, and you don't you don't look at the deeper meaning, you don't realize that you just think right. it's a nice thing to say about people. Right. It, and we're not just being adopted. Yeah. Back like we're coming full circle. Yeah. God made Adam like we're the prodigal, yeah. you know, yep, exactly. We're coming back to the father's house that we belong in the father's house. Yeah. It's crazy. That gets into the whole idea of like theosis and yeah. sanctification and right. Um, I want to do an episode about that so bad because Definitely. of this idea, because of humans being being called sons of God in the New Testament. Ooh. It's really, really fascinating. Yeah. Also, the historical context, though, and I'll touch this very briefly so mm-hmm. that we can talk more about Enoch. But I spent a lot of time in preparation for this episode looking at Sumerian and Babylonian and, you know, whatever, all, uh, Akkadian and all these other cultures back then, right? they so this, all have flood stories. This story of, you know, divine beings coming down and mating with human women and producing hybrid races and, you know, there's a horrible catastrophes that happen and then a huge flood wipes us all out. Like, yeah. that's not just a Bible thing, yeah. right? It's not. It's, it's in all these cultures. And again, we, uh, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but we talked about it last episode. I already said it this episode. The Bible was not created in a bubble. Right. And so the Genesis, really Genesis 1 through 11, you know, mm-hmm. the, the creation story, the fall uh, in the garden, um, the flood, and the Tower of Babel. Tower of Babel, yeah. These events, Genesis 1 through 11. They're all stringed together. Yeah, and they're, they're all addressing real events. Yeah. Like when, when Moses wrote this, and, you know, again, if you don't believe Moses wrote it, that's okay. But uh, that's, we might not talk about that ever. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just going to keep saying it that we'll way. We'll just say Moses. <laughs> Moses slash whoever you want to <laughs> yeah. insert there. Uh, he's, he's writing this as, um, think about if you saw like a crime committed and you had multiple eyewitnesses, you would ask each of them their story. Yeah. And depending on where they're standing, they're going to have a different something different to say. Right. Well, he was wearing this, he pulled this weapon, he ran this way around this corner. Right. And, and, and the idea is like, okay, well, they all saw something different, but which let's figure out the truth in this story. Right. And then maybe one person is right and the other people are wrong. Right. Yeah. Um, and then some might have similar stories yeah. and maybe the details are a little different. Yeah. Think or about movies that do that. Think about know? if they speak a different language. Yeah. Or they're from a different culture and yeah. they're trying to explain something that Some, you both like, saw. If one guy's explaining know? what happened in Spanish and he one might guy's say speaking something English differently and, than you, but yeah. it's kind of the same thing. Another example I like, which I've used before, is like when you read the news, if you see Fox and CNN and whoever, all these different news outlets, 
they might all report on the same story, but and highlight you know different that they're things. They're all fake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a bad, that's a bad parallel, bad analogy because there's not really a true. Uh, right. <laughs> all the news is fake now. We know that. Oh, man. I heard a pretty good, this is total, total rabbit trail, but I heard a pretty good line recently. Somebody said the difference between truth and conspiracy is about six months. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, that cracked me up. Yeah. Conspiracy theorists are just spoilers of real how do you, things. Yeah. How do you know what's true anymore, right? Yeah. But, you know, hopefully you are a mature, educated adult and you you see multiple opinions. Right. You know, don't right. get offended. You Like if we want to understand something, we have to take multiple opinions right. and weigh the options. And somebody's going to be right, like eventually. Yeah. Right. The truth is exclusive. Yeah. As much as people don't want to believe that. And that's another thing that we have that we're we're privileged with. I hate using that word privilege now, but um, as Christians, like we have the spirit of truth in us. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and when we really submit to him and go with his guidance, like he will guide us into all truth. And that, that means he shows us truth. Exactly. That doesn't mean we have the authority right. to decide no, no, truth no. We, because people steer, use that that way. He will steer the boat. Yeah. Yeah. We don't get to decide truth. So. No, we do not. But anyway, my point is, if you look in history, there are multiple flood stories and they're just from a different perspective. All and when Moses world. wrote Genesis 1 through 11, it is Israel's perspective or Moses's perspective. Right. A lot of people believe this was revealed to him in the tent of meeting. When, mm. when we talked about God talking to him face to face, they believe God was like, here's what I did. Here's yeah. how you guys got here. Here's my side of the story. And, and so Moses is saying, you know, Hey, as we travel through Canaan or Egypt or whatever, you're all these gods, all these stories, you're going to hear all these things, but here's what really happened. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they would have heard, we talked about this before. They would have heard probably ad nauseum the, the, what, the Egyptian myth was, yeah, uh, and how that how that creation story went down. Yeah, it says um, so. Here's here's a story about Marduk, which is the Babylonian god, right? Mm-hmm. It says that uh, in the Epic of Era, Era, mm-hmm. it says that Marduk banished the Apkalu, mm. which they are called sages or wise men, mm-hmm. and it's believed that the Apkalu, that the ancient kings were all partnered with an Apkalu. Right. And that the Apkalu taught them how to have civilization. Right. Like taught them about laws, taught them about, you know, food and agriculture and, you, you know, technology, different right. technologies. Um, so we're bringing this up because, you know, the Bible doesn't give us a whole lot of detail with this right, topic, you right. know, in Genesis 6. But if it's all the same story and other cultures are talking about it, they might not have every single detail right, but if we read all of them, we can kind of get a general yep. sense of what happened, right? Yeah. And that's that. You know, that's where the Book of Enoch comes in. It's got a lot of detail, so we can look at all these references and resources of the same events and yeah. be like, okay, this seems to be what was going on at that time. Yeah. So in this Babylonian story, there's a flood mm-hmm. that wipes everybody out, right? And it says that Marduk banishes the Apkalu back to Abzu, A B Z U, mm-hmm. and that's the abyss. That is the deep waters. You remember in Genesis one where it says the deep? Yeah. And there's all these yeah, references the to spirit the spirit hovering over the deep. Yeah. yeah. Darkness was hovering over the deep. Mm. Which okay, I'm gonna mm. throw this in now. Mm. The deep and the waters in Genesis one are two different words. Oh. And um, it's not just deep water. Yeah. Well, remember if we said deep, that he said, water. yeah, well, it is, I guess that's the, I guess that's the really visual image. Yeah, They're connecting yeah, yeah. the idea of depth. Right. Right. Um, also chaos. We talked about chaos, yep. but 
the word, uh, when it says darkness was hovering over the deep, that word is tahon, and it is, um, it is a cognate, or it's, it's connected to the word Tiamat. Remember, Tiamat was the goddess yep, of yep. chaos, like yep. the primordial goddess in yep, Babylon. The, the dragon. The that Marduk dragon. actually killed in yeah, their story. Yeah. And so in Genesis, it just calls it Tahon. It says the deep. Mm-hmm. And so they're not saying, oh, it wasn't this powerful goddess. It was just nothing. Yeah. And then it says the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters, the Mayim, I mm. think is the word. And it's the word for like water, right? Yeah. And it's funny that it's actually a plural word. In, in Hebrew, the words like waters, uh, water, heaven, you know, those words are always plural. It's the heavens or the waters. Right. It's kind of like scissors. Like in English, we never have a singular form of scissors. Right. Right. Or pants. Yeah. Okay. So they, they say the waters. I wore my pant today. Yeah. <laughs> there, and there's reasons for that. There's theories about why they, <laughs> why they say it that way. But... The, whole, the, the darkness was over the deep, the Holy Spirit was over the waters, and then when God said, let there be light, he separated the light from the darkness. So again, that represents that distinction order. of chaos and order. Yep. Okay, so, so it, and it's a polemic against Babylon because right. they said, oh, Tiamat was this primordial, all-powerful being yeah. that Marduk had to fight. And here's how he created everything yeah. and destroyed and, the chaos dragon. Yeah, so Moses' version goes, no goddess, uh, no all-powerful being, mm-hmm. um, it was just nothing. Right. And then God said, let there be light. And boom, there was light. Right. Like there was no effort involved. So he's saying our God's better than your God, basically. So you mentioned these Apkalu. In yeah, this, they get in banished after the flood. To, who, are, who are these guys? They're the sages that they, you know, I just discussed that, that they were partnered with these kings. And so the, in, in the story, Marduk says, I made those Apkalus. It's a different word here, but it's equivalent to Apkalu. Go down to the Absu. And I said they were not to come back up. Mm-hmm. And so, again, it's, it's – and there's a ton of, of illustrations of this in, in all these ancient cultures, but I found that quote, so I wanted to highlight that, yeah. that that's the Babylonian story. Now, what did the Apkalu do in the story? Yeah, so they – It's interesting what they do. They teach uh, men. They represent wisdom, yeah. and they represent um, – like knowledge, knowledge, and yeah. so they give this knowledge to the kings. Didn't we talk about knowledge world? in Genesis <laughs> three? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like this whole idea of like forbidden knowledge, you know, yeah. the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and here we have divine beings descending to the earth to teach more knowledge yeah. that man was not supposed to have really in, the, know, in the garden. You know who else has a story like that? What's that? The Greeks. Right? Sure, yeah. Prometheus. Yeah. Is that gr- that's steals, Greek or Roman? He steals fire. Yeah, it's Greek. But he, he says, I'm going to steal fire from the I'm sun bring it to the and men. bring it to the humans, yep. and he gets punished for it. He does. He gets punished. So that's another theme is that in a lot of these stories, they actually flip the script where like Zeus, which it's ironic because Zeus can represent Satan too, yeah. right? And uh, in our heads as Christians, right. but... Obviously not to them. Zeus was their god. Mm-hmm. Um, but he punishes Prometheus for giving them this knowledge. Well, in all these ancient flood stories, the Apkalu, and, and there's another word, Anunnaki, in, right. in other cultures, it's the equivalent, I think. Right. They give knowledge to humans, and then their god, so like in the, I believe, Sumerian culture, their god is Enki. Mm-hmm. Or Enlil, I don't. I get them all mixed up. Yeah, my head was a, spinning the other there's night. There's a lot of cultures with a lot of gods, but their god, <laughs> and a lot of names. They basically the, the high gods, 
mm-hmm. say the humans are making too much noise. Right. They're just running amok down They're there. Annoying. They're We're gonna wipe them out. <laughs> We're gonna kill them all. And so the Apkalu are actually the good guys. Yeah, they're the good guys because they try to warn humanity. Right. And yep. so, and they're the knowledge bringers. Yeah. They give us wisdom. They give us the tools necessary to, to build civilization. Yep. And and similar to Prometheus, Prometheus was the the underdog. He was the good guy because right. he tried to help right. humanity. But the Bible. The Christian version of this tells us they're not good guys. They are not. They are not good guys. The plan they had was 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 devious. It could go back to Genesis three. Right. That the, the to, deal was for knowledge. Right. That and also the seed. Oh, so yeah. we have this promised about corrupting this the seed. promised Messiah figure that's going to come and destroy the serpent. Right. Yeah. And it's going to come through the seed of the woman. And it's just interesting, you could make a logical jump there that the angels were like, well, maybe we can stop that from happening. Yeah, I, so here's my thing about that. I like that theory. I'm going to propose something else though. Go. I want to do a whole episode later about demons and evil spirits and stuff. I think that'd be a blast. Yeah. Um, But the idea of the seed uh, of corrupting the seed, a lot of people that take that approach, I'm not saying it's wrong, Yeah. but they try to say that these, the watchers are these sons of God from Genesis six are working for, uh, the Nakash, the mm-hmm. devil, Yeah, for the serpent, because yeah. they're like, he's like, let's stop God from defeating us. Right? Right, right. There's really nowhere that implies that these guys are associated with. Yeah. Yeah. The devil. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. They could just be, it's, it's kind of like, Think about like comic book characters. Well, it depends like, on what you think the Nakash or who you yeah. think the Nakash is. Yeah. Because in Enoch, it names a lot of these angels. It does, yeah. That descend down and they make this covenant between themselves. And Semyaza is kind of the, the ringleader of them. And he's the one that's like, hey, I ain't going down there by myself. Y'all are going to have to like, yeah. you know, shake hands on it. And, you know, we're going to go in this together. And, and it says like 200 of them. 200 of these watcher angel angelic beings yep. descend on Mount Hermon. Yeah. And you um, can look at Mount Hermon on a map right now. Yeah. It's in the north of Israel. <laughs> and you can look at it and go, oh which my is gosh. also where Bashan is. Remember, right, Rog of Bashan. Right. We've mentioned him earlier. And I think Jesus took a little trip to Mount Hermon. He did. At least the base of Mount Hermon and uh, talked about, uh, well, he went up, talked uh, about the gate of hell. Yeah. The yeah. gates of hell will not prevail. Yeah. And he's standing at the, the base of Mount Hermon. Yeah. Crazy parallels. So there. stuff that like, Crazy connections. you know, you've read about Jesus saying, hey, you know, the gates of hell and I'll prevail against yeah. the church. And, but when you see where he's at and what happened there, that's where these watcher angels descended yep. and came through, you know, you could say a, a gate, you know, and it was held there that like, this is the gate into the underworld. Yeah. And it was a special place that they would go and they had shrines and they had temples to Zeus. They had a temple to Pan there yeah. in that area. And that, that was a gate to the underworld. Yeah. And so Jesus is going there saying, hey, you know what? I'll the, build my this, own church. This is the gate to the underworld. And, like it's not going to, it's not going to, the yeah. plan that was made yeah. way back then. And this gate that they used to come down on this mountain here and the whole plan they had, it's not going to prevail. Yeah, that's, and that's the mountain he went up for the transfiguration come too. Come somebody. So, 
it was a declaration of war, right? Like there is so much more to your Bible. Yeah, that that stuff, man. I didn't even expect you to mention that today. The, I, I didn't think either. Mount Hermon needs to be a, a whole it, alone it was, episode. I think it was inspiration. Inspiration. Inspiration oh. of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Is our podcast inspired? I would say yes. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, uh, okay, well, we are not saying that we are equivalent to the Bible. No, uh, but we do want people, though, to be encouraged in their faith <laughs> yeah, and give their man. hearts to Christ. And realize that your Bible is more fantastical than any comic book or any crazy sci-fi movie or well, and I, it's way more fun. I mean, and I took history and classes. <laughs> I took I took world history classes in college, too. And, and they would say, well, see, like these stories aren't unique to the Bible. It's like it doesn't have to be. No, it, like people people think, well, the Bible's not authentic, so it's not real. But that all that means is that all of these people are talking about something that actually that happened. actually means that it's more real. Yeah, yeah. If it was just the Bible talking about this thing, it would be more suspect that yeah. it was made up. It was crazy. But when it connects to every single culture across the whole world, and you know, we talked about like the pyramids and the the all the like high place structures yeah. all over the world, and it's like it all connects. When I like. I think it was Heiser. Again, that's like the 10th time I've said him Hallelujah. on this episode. I'll just say Albarino uh, one more time. I think uh, <laughs> we'll balance it I out. think he said it. He was like, why do people think that every, uh, how do you say it, Israel or Judaism is the only culture in the world that copied everything? Yeah, yeah like, exactly. Yeah. Like it, you don't, you know, and I guess people take the approach, well, none of it is real. So any of it could be the original or the copy. Yeah, yeah. But like if, like if I believe the Bible's true, I kind of also believe that the Babylonian stories are true, but they're wrong. You right, know? Yeah, like, exactly. It, it's, yeah, the conclusion it's, is It's kind is of just bad. opening your mind and saying, like, these are all witnesses to an actual event, and right. I believe the Bible's version of it. Right. And exactly. now I know what I'm fighting against exactly. as a Christian, you know? Yep. Like, when we talk about demons and evil spirits and salvation and sin and all this stuff, I, there's a, this is the frame for it. You know, what happens Which, in Genesis 1 through 11. Exactly. So, and demons are kind of birthed out of this topic, right? Yeah, these Nephilim, <laughs> right? So we're never told in the Bible what demons are, really. I mean, we know yep. that they're spirits in some sense, you know, and that they're... Yeah, it calls them unclean spirits. They're unclean Jesus, spirits. That's Jesus a very cast particular... Evil. Yep. And that they search around for uh, empty places to dwell and... Yeah. Like we're not, there is no, hardly any mention of a demon type spirit in the Old Testament. Yeah. Uh, there, there might be allusions to like evil spirits. Well, the spirits, one word that gets called demon in Deuteronomy Shedin. 32 is Shadin. Yeah. Sh- yes. Which is from a, again, it's not a Hebrew word. I think it's a Babylonian word. Mm-hmm. And it means a territorial god. Right. So remember right. Prince of Persia, Prince of Greece, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. Deuteronomy 32, the Deuteronomy world 32, was divided up yep. according to the number of sons of God. Yep. So it, it, it's not, it's not well, a Hebrew gets its root, root, root word. at Babel. Yes. Right. Yeah. So the, the, the nation of Babylon, the, the original, the first Babylon, that was a, that, that word in Deuteronomy is based on that idea of territorial gods and it gets translated in English as demons. Right. So that's different from what Jesus is casting out of people in the New Testament. Yeah. Yeah. The unclean spirits the Jews believed were the disembodied spirits of these Nephilim. Right. Because they're half divine. Right. Because they have angel dads and Mm -hmm. human moms. And so they don't die like normal humans. Right. Their bodies die and then their spirits wander. So just some paraphrasing, just because we can't 
read it word for word, but get get a copy of the book of you know, the first Enoch, the book of the Watchers. I mean, I found a PDF of it online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's I easy to get to. They like, have apps on iPhone and, and everything that just like a Bible app, you can get it. So the story is these Watchers come down. What their motivation was, we could talk about. I think it was jealousy over humankind. They wanted wives. They wanted to to rule over the earth. So they come down. They mate with the women. The Bible says they have these Nephilim offspring. And we're not really told much else about it, that they existed, that the giants existed on the earth, and then they existed after the flood as well. Yeah. So the book of Enoch is where we really, it really goes into more detail of what these Nephilim offspring are. It says that they were like giant giants, very large. Um, Not like, not like seven foot basketball players, like really big yeah (laughs) like like trees (laughs) like yeah like the size of cedar trees and stuff like that yeah which you know in in our naturalistic modern scientific brains you know these days we easily dismiss but if you're a christian it shouldn't be so hard to accept like we believe in a spiritual world we believe that jesus was incarnated as a human we believe that he was birthed of a virgin. Like, yeah, it doesn't make natural sense. Yeah, there's some... There's Everything some... that we believe doesn't make any natural sense. Right. Right? You know, we believe in a triune being of God. Like, that makes no sense. Like, naturally. So, get it out of your mind that like, oh, I can't believe this. It's just too fantastic. But it's it's not really. Yeah. <laughs> like, like uh, so yeah. we have these beings. You know, these giant beings. It says that they were hybrids. They well, were, okay, you're talking about Nephilim. Right. Yeah, they the were, giants. They, so the Watchers are mating with human w- women. Yeah. So the Watchers are divine beings, angels, if you want to call them that. We have human women. They're producing this offspring that are half divine, half human. Mm-hmm. We see that in other parts of world mythologies too, don't we? Yeah, there <laughs> like, are giants all over. Like... Like I the mean, whole that's, story that's of like thing. Hercules, like we had these yep. demigods, you know, yep. in, in Greek mythology and Nordic mythology. And, and you know what else is interesting is that giants, uh, not just like demigods and half, half breed, half, div, half divine beings, but also, um, okay, so here's another fancy word. Ooh. We're teaching people all kinds of stuff today. Might as well. Gigantomachy. Hootie whaty? Yeah. <laughs> it means war on the giants. Oh. Right. Ah, from the Old Testament? Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, the book of Joshua talks about that. Mm. Um, it says Hootie It doesn't. I don't think it uses that <laughs> word. That's the, that's the word for it's it. It's the scholastic word. Um, but just like there's a flood story and a creation story in all these different cultures, right. there are giants yep. in all these other cultures. And, and like the Greeks, you know, like they had the... The Titans. The Titans, and they had giants, and... Yeah. And the, the Titans and the Giants and, were different, but they right, fought right. against, they had to expel Giants. It's all and, of this story, the same yeah. things. Yeah. So like, I, I don't know, it's just crazy when you see similar threads in all these different cultures and it's like, well, maybe there's, maybe there's a reason they're all telling the same story. Yeah. If you want like a, a movie that's like similar to what your Bible is talking about, watch Wrath of the Titans. Yeah. <laughs> Go watch Wrath of the Titans yep. and, uh, and Clash of the Titans, those two films. That's more like what your Bible is talking about. Yeah. <laughs> That's the most biblical movie that you could probably watch, you know, other than The Chosen, which I never got into those like, uh, like super Bible movies. The Chosen's pretty good. I've heard The Chosen is good. It's, I mean, it's like, it's fictional. Right. It's, it's based on the Bible. So you have to keep there that in There was mind. a good one actually with Joseph Fiennes in it called Risen. 
That oh. one's actually really good. Yeah. Really, really good. Okay, so uh, what we need to do is maybe give like a book report yeah. of the Book of Enoch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just yeah, Josh, talked- Josh and Ryan's book report. <laughs> <laughs> you say report and I flash back to school and yeah. I'm scared. <laughs> yeah, it was funny in school, uh, like getting into college and understanding the difference and like having to actually critique and analyze material and not just give a book report. Yeah, really. I remember professors being like, <laughs> I know what the book says. <laughs> You're like, I read the back of the book. Yeah. Here's my report. <laughs> yeah. But seriously, so we're not, we're not, saying everybody needs to go read and study the book of Enoch like unless you're just a, a history nerd and you're curious it's it's cool um I, th- I would say I would highly recommend yeah you don't have to for sure yeah but if you really want to it's like a guide you know it's a help it's a helpful tool kind of like footnotes you don't have to read footnotes but yeah they're pretty helpful and we and we discussed already the period that this was written in the second temple mm-hmm. you know it's pre-jesus pre-new testament so they were all familiar with this book so yeah. it gives it gives some context to the story and and it fleshes out what is only about seven verses in genesis chapter six mm-hmm. this gives um why did the jews think this was such a big deal yeah um very, well this this writing deal. really kind of expounds on that idea we're going to start not right at the beginning we're going to jump around a little bit yeah so what's really cool is about it it's almost like a portal you know since genesis 6 is only kind of like you know we have this weird nephilim thing going on with the watchers and you know there's like four verses you know you said seven in between four and seven verses there not a lot of detail but the book of enoch really like hones in on that story and it's like it's like a portal. You walk through that portal and here's what was happening, you know, potentially. Yeah. So again, Genesis chapter six says when the sons of man began to multiply on the face of the earth uh, or when men began to multiply, that the sons of God yep. uh, basically lusted after human women and took any ones they wanted as their wives mm-hmm. and even had children with them. And then it it makes a jump and it <clears throat> says that um, that men were wicked. Yeah. So there's it's really interesting the way the book of Genesis, it kind of skips the whole story and goes, God said, uh, men, you know, because the thoughts of man is wicked from his yep. birth, I'm not going to abide with man forever. Everything and on the so, earth was corrupted. So I will say <laughs> that as we give this little book report again, because, you know, whether you go and read it or not, we're going to tell you what's in the book of Enoch or what, what the gist of this is. But um, the Jews did not blame the watchers for humans' sin. Right. I've heard, I've, and the watchers being the angels that rebelled. Yeah. We'll explain what watchers are in just a minute, but it's important to know. I've heard I've heard some criticisms of like the flood story, Genesis six, and writings like the Book of Enoch from Christians and non-Christians saying that um, the fault here is that it was the Jews' way, like Rabbi Jewish rabbis' way of kind of passing the buck for mm-hmm. man's wickedness. They're yeah. blaming yeah. all the bad things on these watchers and on the Nephilim, right? And it's very clear in Genesis that it says that these things happened, but then men were wicked, right. so God flooded the sure. earth, yeah. right? Yeah, they participated for sure. Yeah. It's kind of like the garden scenario. Like, yeah, yes, Adam and Eve are responsible for their sin and their choice, yeah. but we also have this curse on the Nakash, you know, yeah, and the, the dirty the deeds he did there. Yeah, that he, laid the groundwork for them to make those decisions. Yep. And He was the variable that kind of set it in motion, <laughs> exactly. but it was Adam and Eve's decision right, to rebel. Right. So, so you have the same here. They were punished for their decision. So Josh, you have it pulled up. Why don't you go ahead and yeah, just read that? Yeah, and, and, and 
kind of like what you were saying, like the Bible kind of focuses on like the human, the human, the human, the humanity part of the problem, you know? Uh, but the book of Enoch really goes into like the spiritual and like uh, the, the watchers, the sons of God, the Nephilim part of the story. Yeah, it's interesting. So yeah. we, we are using the book of Enoch iOS app because I, I think it's a little bit easier to, to navigate. Some, there's different versions of the book of Enoch online that some of the verses and numbers I mean, and stuff are kind of... It's just like the Bible. Right, I mean, yeah, there's, there's different versions and the, the verses and stuff are kind of different sometimes. But we're using the iOS app. It's just called Book of Enoch. In that app, we're looking at chapter 7. Uh, it's called Section 2. This is the Book of the Watchers. And the first verse there is piggybacking off of Genesis 6. So it's picking up the story where we left off. And it says, It happened after the sons of men had multiplied in those days that the daughters, that daughters were born to them, elegant and beautiful. So we see that it really like gives detail of like, okay, women were gorgeous. Of course, you know, women are gorgeous. They're great. But it really, it really, it really says that I think for a reason, because in verse two, and even in Genesis six, it says that the sons of God looked at the daughters of men and were like, we want that. We want that for us. Man has that. Why don't we have that? Which I think was the problem. Uh, But verse two, it says here in the book of Enoch, and when the angels, the sons of heaven beheld them, they became enamored with them. And they said to each other, come and let us select for ourselves wives from the progeny of men and let us beget children. So here we see their plan starting to hatch. They're, they're looking down on God's creation. They're set, you know, in this place in a heavenly realm. Yeah. They have job descriptions, which the Boogie Knock mentions. Yeah. And I really... This is, we need to do an episode on, I guess, um, maybe marriage roles and relationships and stuff in the future, because uh, that's one thing that I see in the Genesis 6 story and in Enoch that, and it it gets highlighted in the Bible. We mentioned it earlier that Jesus said um, the angels in heaven are not given in marriage. they don't marry. So it's like marriage is for a specific purpose. Having children is for having. Yeah. Yeah. Adam and Eve are supposed to multiply and fill the (laughs) earth. Exactly. And so here you have watchers, angels saying let's why don't we go do that yeah. we can have our basically we can have our own dominion our own exactly, domain yeah. if we have our own sons right where they were they had their own job they were supposed to fulfill mm-hmm. kind of monitoring uh in, in fact the book of enoch starts out right was um, it chapter one or chapter two so on this app that or we're chapter using three <laughs> yeah on this app that we're using it starts in uh chapter three okay and it says kind of uh, gives their job descriptions, huh? It's really interesting the way it starts out. It says, "All who are in the heavens know what is transacted there." Mm. It's very ominous. Yeah. Uh, but it says that the heavenly luminaries do not change their path; that each one rises and sets regularly. Uh, it goes on to talk about the seasons, like trees bearing fruit, mm-hmm. summer, uh, summer heat, winter cold. So it seems um, like all the constants. Of yes. like Earth, and it's the like universe. these patterns, these right. patterns, all and these things so, that go. So we kind of get this image, like man. Remember, Adam was meant to steward the Earth. He was put in the garden, and his job was to keep the garden and then multiply and subdue the Earth. Right. Right. Well, here we kind of see that the Jewish belief, or, or I guess you could say, like the ancient Near East or whatever, mm-hmm. 
their their belief about the heavenly beings was that they were supposed to kind of monitor just creation. Yeah. What and and you even see that in cultures we've mentioned several I was times. About to say, that's in all the ancient religions. Every yeah. the reason the sun goes up and down exactly. is because a god is carrying. Because right. Horus, you know, the Egyptian god of the sun, he's controlling yeah. that. Set is the ruler of the underworld in the nighttime. And, yeah, you know, it's all. You get that in, bro. Even even J.R.R. Tolkien says that in the Cimmerillion that the sun and moon were fruit from a tree that mm. people had to like walk back and forth. <laughs> Funny little uh, alien footnote here. <laughs> if you've ever watched the episode of Ancient Aliens where it talks about Christian iconography and Christian artwork, oh, where yeah. they where they say, hey, you know, like there's UFOs in like ancient you know Christian paintings and stuff. And they'll show you these paintings of like what looks like the supposed to be like seasonal things in paintings, like a moon and a sun. But inside of the sun, what look what looks like the spherical like structure of the sun and the moon, there's like a little man like sitting inside of there. And they're like, see, that's a spaceship, you know, and it's oh, like, yeah, but it's like, no, it's it's the idea of their personifying yeah. Things like the moon and the sun and the stars and the, the times and seasons, they're putting a a divine personage to that thing. Yeah, and it, that's where this comes from. Exactly. So we I mean you can just see that all over in religions and, and traditions and so stuff. It's not ancient a cultures. spaceship. It's, it's this <laughs> idea that that the reason the reason these patterns happen in nature, the sun, the moon, the the leaves falling off the trees and uh you know snow and rain and like the reason all these things happen regularly is because something is keeping up with that yeah and so like there's kind of the idea that that was the angel's job right and uh we mentioned virtues like if you ever, have ever studied like classes of angels people believe there's a group of angels i say people yeah. you know but there there is a class of angels called virtues and they were over nature and so, um, you know, maybe that's similar to what the watchers are in the book of Enoch. Mm -hmm. But yeah, early in the book of Enoch, it starts out by saying, consider the, the heavenly bodies, consider this, consider this. And, and then he gets into the sons of God descending. Right. And remember, Jude says they left their proper abode. The they left their appointed place. place. Yep. So, yeah, it's almost like they abandoned their job to go and have kids on earth. Yeah. Because they wanted to do something else. Alberino. Timothy Alberino, <laughs> he, I, I, I go along with what he says on this, and he thinks the whole thing was that they were jealous of humanity. Yeah. Kind of like the Nakash was, you know, saying, I'm going to set up my throne, you know. Above the stars. Above the stars yeah. of heaven and, uh, uh, and all that. The Kind of the same scenario here. They're looking down, and they're seeing, okay, man has given dominion over his own planet, uh, he's he's given a helpmate, yeah. you know, that's suitable for him, and they're gonna have children, and they're gonna have this legacy and a destiny, and and the angels are looking down and going, well, we, well, why does he get to have all that, you know, like yeah. we're up here in the presence of God, you know, literally, and he's down there and he gets his own stuff and dominion, and it really is interesting. I, again, I I want to hold the the whole like 
marriage and childbearing topic for later because we could spend forever talking about that. But like, it is interesting how much in modern culture that is being attacked, the traditional view of yeah, marriage. There's and stuff. a reason, huh? And it's, <laughs> it's almost like it, you don't think of marriage as a tool, as a utility that God created for man to fulfill his purpose. The way Adam and Eve were going to fulfill their purpose was by multiplying yeah. and then subduing the earth. When you see culture attacking family, attacking traditional marriage, that's an attack on the plan of God. Yeah. It's a direct assault against what God desires. The reason marriage is so important, the reason men, the role of men and the role of women is so important is because God made us to work that way to fulfill a purpose. Right. And so the angels, again, they're saying like, apparently humans get to have kids and have dominion over the earth. Why don't, why can't we do that? Yeah. I don't want to guide the moon and yeah. the stars. <laughs> yeah. They're like, there's no angel. There's no hot angel women up here. Let's go. <laughs> like, let's go have our own uh, kingdoms on earth. Yeah. So, yeah, um, but I think it's funny how it just says, you know, in verse two there of Enoch, it's, you know, they were enamored with the, the women. Yeah. And they were like, we want that. And I don't think it was just a sexual thing. I think that was part of it. It's uh, a power thing. It was, it was a power and dominion thing yeah. because they don't have dominion on the earth. Only Adam does. They, they technically, I think that this, the story here, the plot is that they don't have dominion over anything. They're Not servants. Really. Right, exactly. Yeah. You know, so they're servants of the most high. The so sons it's of a God. power grab. So they're saying, I'm going to make my own kingdom. I'm going to go to earth and have right. my own kids. And, and how do they do that? Because only humans have dominion rightfully yeah. on the earth. Yeah. So I think they devised this idea and this can get into conspiracy stuff. That's pretty fun. Uh, that actually leaks into modern day. The progeny, our Nephilim sons, are going to be human enough. Yeah. They could claim that dominion on this That's earth. Timothy Alberino's birthright. Definitely. Thing. Yeah. yeah. If you want to study by... about this stuff more, check out Timothy Alberino's birthright. Yeah. It's a book and it's also a series on YouTube. But yeah. It the... makes so much sense though to me. Like they can't rightfully take dominion from humanity because it's given to humans, you know? Yeah. By, it's a God given thing. That image of God. It can't be taken. Yeah, so if you manage to have hybrid children yeah, because so they are human, because they, they would have authority human. on earth. Exactly. And think about, so this is a really interesting comparison to Jesus because exactly. Jesus' mother was a virgin. Exactly. So he was totally human, but he was totally divine. Exactly. And because he was divine, he had authority in the heavens. He had authority in and heaven. And because he's a man on earth. He had authority on earth. Dude, it's it's killer. When you really understand. But he wasn't a mixture. Like no, he wasn't impure right. like he these pure, were. Yeah. yeah. When you really understand the incarnation and what they call, what scholars call the hypostatic union. Right. That's divine and human together in a pure way that, that Jesus, yeah. only Jesus was. And think about this. So Heiser points this out. We've discussed um, types before, mm-hmm. but a, if you say that something is a type uh, of something else, it's yeah. a, what it is is a foreshadowing. A it's foreshad- an image yeah. that represents something that's going to happen in the future. Right, right. So like, for instance, you'll hear that Moses is a type for Jesus right. because he represents the high priest and he leads people out of, out out of, of exile, slavery, out of slavery. Yep, yep. Okay, so Heiser points out we just made this comparison that Jesus was 100% divine and 100% human. God did not have any kind of sexual relation right, with Mary. Right, right. Mary was a virgin. So it's a pure, it's, he's not mixture. He's not some kind of half breed right. like the Nephilim are, right? Exactly. Nephilim are part exactly. divine and part human. Right. But Heiser points out that all the types for Christ in the Old Testament, Moses, Joshua, David, 
they all fought giants in the Old Testament. Yeah. And there's a reason for that imagery yeah. because it, it shows that Jesus is the solution to to this unholy mixture, right? right? And so the giants were what, uh, and the, the wickedness in the promised land, they were corrupting the promised land. And God said, "We, you know, I, you cannot live among the Canaanites. You can't live among these people. Right. You have to totally wipe them now, out. I don't, know, I don't know if anybody or if everybody understands like the clans and the people groups in the Old Testament that God is always telling Israel to go and fight and take over their land. And right. Execute like the, them the and Hittites, like it gets the Amalekites, very crazy. The... These are giant clans. Right. These aren't just random people. Yeah. These are strategically like people that God is wanting his people to go and eradicate for a certain reason because they are descendants of what we're about to talk about right here in the yeah. Nephilim. Also, that's another thing people criticize about the Bible is that it's genocide or that it's racist. Right. Yeah. But the, the these were not race wars <clears throat> in the Old Testament. Right. You you were identified by your religion or your cult or your community or whatever. Yeah. And so the groups that Joshua and Moses and the Israelites had to wipe out were um, pagan religious groups. They were giant clans. Yeah. It, it wasn't it wasn't a race war. It had nothing to do with right, right, ethnicity right. or skin color or language or any of that. Right. These people were practicing rituals that made them unclean. And God said, you can't live among them. Right. And think about the laws like um, don't plant two different kinds of seed in the same field. Don't have two different kinds of cloth, uh, cloth in your, or what is it like? Uh, yeah, two in your yeah, clothes. Kind of things woven together. You can't mix that, two yeah. different kinds of fabric. There's all kinds of laws in the Old Testament that seem crazy and ridiculous to us now, because right. like I'm probably wearing a 50/50 <laughs> cotton <laughs> jacket right now. But like uh, God did all these things to show I don't, I don't accept mixture. Right. Like things have to be pure, right? So yeah, so yeah, I, I just I find the whole we're gonna get more into giants later. We're gonna talk about the Tower of Babel because Genesis six says there were Nephilim in those days and afterwards. And after, so we yeah. have to address how were there how were there giants after the flood? Yeah. Um, so when we get to the Tower of Babel, and we'll probably talk about Joshua and Moses and all them later. But anyway, that's just a little preview. Like you yeah. can find the gospel in these things. Jesus is the answer. Oh, very much. Um, the God when we did. <laughs> When modern Christians say the word gospel, like it's it's very watered down. Yes, it, <laughs> yeah, it's it's like yes, it is it's Jesus that, coming. Well, yes, that. it is his death and resurrection. Yes, it's all of that. But it's so much more, and it's so much more powerful when you see the whole picture. Yeah, like I don't even think we'll ever see the whole picture. Like yeah. we see some of it, and we you know, Paul talks about seeing in a in a glass darkly. But you know, when we're in heaven, we'll hopefully get the whole picture. But Dude, it's so much more than like Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Like, yes, it is that, but man, he is redeeming all of the creation. Yeah. And everything that has been, you know, polluted and distorted and, you know, from all different sides, you know, he's he's mending all of it. Yeah. And it's incredible and this is part of it. Yeah, man. So we have these angels descend down. So, you know, what was in their hearts, we don't exactly know, but the, I think the text is kind of it they were enamored with the idea of we want what humanity has and yeah. we're going to go down there and we're going to take it. And we got to do it in a certain way that, you know, we're not, uh, how would you say, like, we're going to do it in a shady way, you know, not like just yeah. outright war. Well, they're taking <laughs> advantage of a system that God created. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They're, and they're, they're acting out of order. And here's what's interesting. I don't know if you ever thought about this, Ryan, but the fact that they were able to produce offspring is interesting. It's like God set those 
he like set the plans in place for like, you know, a, a male and a female to procreate. It was also with the animal kingdom. And it, evidently it's also in the, you know, with angels. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's not an impossible. It's like he made the, like the recipe and like anybody could take the recipe. Well, we we and, like, said this, <laughs> I think, I think at the very beginning of this recording, I think we said like, who there's no biologists, like who would right, know yeah, yeah, yeah. people are like, well, angels can't. Angels can't procreate with humans. Yes, like, they I, can. <laughs> I don't know why not. Yeah, I really. guess we just assumed that, but right. Um, it's a little uncomfortable to think about. But right. yeah, like I don't. There's there's no there's no rule. It's crazy that I know crazy. of that they can't. It's crazy. So back to the book report, Josh. Yes. Uh, after they after they saw the the daughters of men and they wanted to have children, something very interesting happens. Mm-hmm. This is not the first divine transgression. Right. The, right in the in the Garden of Eden, the serpent rebelled, and we saw what happened to him. So yeah. these guys, they kind of take an extra step here. Yeah, I think I think maybe, and there's like there's speculation on like, okay, did the Nakash, the Satan figure, like, is he directing these angels, or were they inspired by what he did? And you know, or there's a lot totally of speculation there. Of, yeah, were they independent? Were they yeah. in cahoots? But. Um, but yeah, uh, there's this one angel here in verse three of Enoch seven. It says, "Then their leader." So they had a leader. Yeah. They had somebody who was leading them, and they name him Semyaza. This is kind of the 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 ringleader of these watcher angels, which later talks about two hundred two hundred of them. Yeah. yeah. So then their leader Semyaza said to them. So he's talking to the other watchers. I fear that you may perhaps be indisposed to the performance of this enterprise. <laughs> You're going to chicken out. <laughs> very legal yeah. Uh, yeah, terminology. Well, there. This is using King James language. I'm scared that, you know, you guys are going to chicken out and I'm going to be left with the tab. Um, and then verse four, he says, and that I alone shall suffer for such a grievous crime. So they knew exactly what they were doing. Yeah. They knew it was going to be a universal cosmic crime you know, to go in there and tinker with what God has created. But they answered to him and said, we all swear. And we're going to bind ourselves mutually with an oath, really, or, or execrations is what it says. But King James gonna, language. They're going to promise <laughs> themselves, hey, we're all going to go in on this, that we will not change our intention, but execute our projected undertaking. We're all going to do this together. We're all going to promise not to chicken out. Yeah, do you think they thought there was like a safety in numbers thing? <laughs> I like, don't know, man. He can't catch us all. Like, yeah, I guess like... <laughs> They're like, look, if we're all going down, we're going down together. Mm-hmm. So then they all swore together and bound themselves by mutual, by mutual oath. Uh, their whole number was 200. And it says that they descended upon Artis. So Artis, we'll talk about that, which is at the top of Armon. So, yeah. yeah. So scholars will talk about, yeah, it's, it's Mount Hermon. Yeah. And that's the Mount Hermon in biblical times and that mountain is still there today yeah and there's a ski resort on top <laughs> you of can mount go skiing down mount herman <laughs> if you want to ski where the watchers there's probably descended. a there's probably a black diamond trail called watchers path of the watchers <laughs> <laughs> oh man but um, uh but yeah it, seriously there's we're gonna spend an episode probably talking about mount herman because it it occurs several times in the bible yeah it's even the position you can find it on a map and the position of it is important the way that it's talked about in literature and in the bible yep and uh so it's we're going to get into that probably in the next episode right but yeah they came down on mount herman Mm -hmm. they um it it goes on to name the chiefs there's 200 of them but it names a few of the chief ones it says they took wives 
and uh, the women that conceived had giants whose stature was 300 cubits, which that number is interesting because I think the Noah's Ark was 300 cubits, right? They're very large. So there's a, <laughs> that's a symbolic number there. So and that's where I think and they're I said, huge too. They're not like right, right, right. Like people say, Goliath was like seven or eight feet tall, right? Yeah, between because, seven and nine. And yeah. it, and they would have still, even if he was only seven feet tall, he would have been a giant because the average height back then for someone in the Near East was supposedly like five yeah. Or six. But that's that's more that's more after flood, like pre pre flood. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of debate on how big humans were. Yeah. And you can look at, dude, there's write that down. Another dude, there's topic so for much <laughs> like, so one guy you can look up on some of those topics is Rob Skiba. He passed away recently, but, um, him and like Judd Burton were good friends, but yeah, Rob Skiba has got some interesting speculations on some of that stuff. The antediluvian world. Yeah. So the, the way that chapter seven ends is, is very important. Um, again, this is like story time with the book of Enoch. It says the men devoured all the labor of men produced until it became impossible to feed them. And then they turned themselves against men in order to devour them and began to injure beasts or, or you could say defile or, right, or uh, right. corrupt birds, beasts, reptiles, fish to eat their flesh uh, one after another and to drink their blood. Right. And that, and again, it sounds gruesome and unnecessary, but these things are in there for a reason that we'll yep. get to later. Let's look at that really quick. Yeah. So, Watchers come down, Mount Hermon, they make an exchange of information, like we're going to tell you all the, we're going to give you all the stuff. It actually says what men were striving to learn. They were striving to learn these things, and the watchers come down and make a transaction and say, hey, we'll tell you, we're going to give you all this information that you've been looking for, which we'll talk about in the next chapter, and you give us your women. So they didn't come down and like grab women and take off with them and start, you know, they made an exchange. It was almost like, we'll, we'll try to do this as legal as possible. We'll make an exchange. We'll give you the info. You give us the women. We'll take them. We have our sons now. Yeah, we'll make a deal. The Nephilim it's come out. They're giant, enormous, you know, beings that are half divine, half human. Uh, and it says that they, and I think, I think it was like a scenario of like, you know, like somebody that has like gigantism. Like they're they're like a normal they baby. They start out normal size. Yeah, they're and like they a normal baby, her. and then they like like their body doesn't know when to slow down yeah. the growth period. You know, so they just get bigger and bigger. But then they start like being un- insatiable, right? So they can't feed yeah, well, them. In. I mean, they're huge. You know, <laughs> three hundred cubits. You can look that up. That's that's very big, like the size of a building. You know, they're like enormous. Yeah. Um, and like I said in the last episode, we think fairy tale when we think of this stuff. But mm-hmm. this stuff really happened. Like, if you're going to be a Christian, you're going to, like, like Goliath was real. Like, yeah. like all this stuff is real, like, if you yeah. really uh, believe it. So it's just interesting. Like, there's so many, like, conspiracy theories that go off of this that make so much sense. Um, yeah. That they started devouring each other. They started devouring people. And they started drinking blood. A lot of scholars will say this is where human sacrifice was kind of entered into pagan religions yeah they they because these nephilim were viewed as gods here's the watchers coming out of heaven saying we're going to take your women we're going to give you all this knowledge for civilization and you know the mysteries of heaven our offspring are going to rule over you yeah it's interesting the so i have i have two thoughts now on what you just said so we already saw in genesis 3 the idea of an exchange or like a barter yep 
the the serpent said, "Hey, if you eat this fruit, you're going to be wise like us." Yeah. Um, you know, and it's almost like a, "Hey, do what I said instead of what God said, and and you can be wise." And they fell for it, right? Right. So we're seeing the same thing here. They're making a deal. Yeah. And remember Jesus when he was tempted in the wilderness, the devil tried to make a deal with him too. If you exactly. just worship me, I can yeah, give you exactly. all this. You I'll know, give you all these kingdoms. So it's this is a recurring theme. This how, idea of how forbidden. Was, how yeah. was Satan able to say that? Yeah. How mm. was he able to say, "Hey Jesus, I'll give you all these kingdoms," if he didn't have them? Yeah. And I think this is where it shows where he got that authority from. Yeah. Where he got that influence and dominion, not the dominion that we have legally. So here are these Nephilim, they're half divine, half human. And I think what's happening here is the watchers are saying, look, we have the divine, you know, our, our offspring has the divine right as divine beings yeah. and human to rule this place. Yeah. Like we have the power, we have the authority, you're going to worship them. Well, and the, that's the second thought I was going to say is that Genesis 6 uses the word Gibor, mighty man. Right. It says that these are the mighty men of old. Right. And uh, some, I think some translations say heroes um, yeah. or mighty warriors, heroes, warriors. Mighty warriors yeah. But um, the modern day idea of a hero is like, you know, Superman, Spider-Man, like they're the good guys. They yeah. save the city. But in ancient cultures and ancient literature, hero had a little bit of a different, it just meant a mighty man. Like Hercules, we know as a hero because he was, he was a demigod. He fought the Hydra and like all this other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he also like killed his own children and stuff. Like he was not oh, a good guy. Yeah. So the idea of a hero, it, like what in this context, what we're talking about, a hero is just a a mighty man. Right. It doesn't mean a good guy. Right. And so um, that word Gibor, mighty man, gets used again later for Nimrod. Yeah, for Nimrod. Yeah. It gets used later for Nimrod. And, and I think it's and this you see kind idea, of the same thing happen. Right. I think it's the idea what you brought up about like modern day superheroes. Yeah. Like we think of super there's bad superheroes. Yeah. That have a lot of power. They have this divine power in a sense, but they're also like us kinda, you know? Yeah. Like the whole idea of Superman is like he's this descended alien from another planet he's, that has yeah. come to Earth that has divine power. But yet he blends in among us like a human. You know, it's like this a whole. Lot of, I mean, that's basically all superheroes, especially exactly, DC, yeah. Wonder well, Woman, right. Aquaman. Well, it I all mean, comes from the Bible. Yeah, it's <laughs> like all based on. <laughs> it's all based on like hey, Jesus, man. like really. But um, yeah, but I really want to hit home this idea of like, they're the God kings. Right. And, yep. and they're the ones that God is telling Israel to overthrow their lineage. That is oppressive to humanity. And. Uh, like I said, uh, you know, where it talks about them killing each other and drinking blood and all this stuff, a lot of people, like a lot of scholars would say, you know, this is could be potentially where human sacrifice comes into the, yeah. the human stage here. Yeah, because they were trying to satisfy these They were trying god to kings. satisfy the god kings that were ruling over them. So it yep. makes so much sense. Like, dude, I just love this stuff. Like, it just makes our world, like, make so much sense. Yeah. Well, again, the you know, we've been talking again about those kind of those three dichotomies, those themes that we've been talking about, but chaos, like the idea of chaos and evil uh, in the world, you know, we, we water down the gospel to just the forgiveness of our own sins and being grafted into God's family. And it's really about, like we've said, it's not just forgiving our sins, it's restoring mankind to the original design. It's it's back to Adam, back to Eden. Right. And there were so many deviations off of that plan. Yeah. And so, (laughs) and so the Jews, uh, the reason that we keep talking about the three falls, the Genesis garden, Genesis three, the garden of Eden, and then this, the flood in Genesis six, and then Genesis 11, the tower of Babel, 
the Jewish belief was that the Messiah that was coming was going to fix not just Adam and Eve. Right. He right. was going to fix all of these he problems. He had to fix all three. And so you, you see, I mean, spoiler alert, but yeah. you see that, you see that, again, we talked about the types of Christ fighting giants and that Jesus was a God man mm. that reconciled the nation. So then you see Genesis 11 and, and the book of Acts, right. the Holy Spirit and all that. So he, he reconciles the nation. Yeah, and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah so like he, he defeats the powers of darkness. He redeems us from, from death and he defeats and he, he brings the world back into order, you know? Right. So he, he solves all three of these problems. And just a footnote, you said like Babel and Acts, like, yeah. so at Babel, their languages are confused, right? right? And they're scattered. In Acts, what happens? The Spirit of God descends, languages are spoken, they but start, everybody is together in on it, and it brings people together. Yeah, they can all understand back. in their own languages. So it's a, it's a fixing of the problem. Yeah, and, so, the, and the book of Acts makes a point. Every time a group of people or somebody gets saved, Luke, the author, writes where they were from. And it, so, okay, but that's for the Genesis 11 yeah. <laughs> episode, yeah, you know? right. but anyway, the, the point is like it, what we just said multiple times already is that, you know, we're not just, we don't want the gospel to just be watered down to a self-centered, like, oh, I, I feel guilty because I did something bad and right. Jesus makes me feel better. Right. It, it's, it's really, God is restoring all of creation, humans and, uh, and the world and everything. Right back to Eden. He's trying to reconcile it back to himself. Right. Now, some people are going to listen to that and take it to the extreme and think like, well, maybe the devil will get saved. We're not saying that. Right. Like, no. Well, there are some just, things was, that will not be. I was just going to say like, <laughs> yeah. and he's going to administer justice. Yeah. Just he's going to administer of, justice yeah. and wrath to those Part of reconciliation right. is yeah. justice. Exactly. Yeah, so. And it says that we're going to rejoice in all of that, which yeah. sounds harsh, you know, but that's yeah. part of that's another part of like God's character that's a, overlooked a lot. Like, yes, people have taken that idea of wrath and justice and like all this stuff, and they've turned it into something scary. Yeah, and God awful is this and, bad guy. Yeah, he he's hates, just he's yeah. just mad at everyone. Well, in His wrath and in His justice, we can worship Him and like look at that side of His character and say that's right. You know, yeah. just like you would take somebody who's a murderer and you lock them up for the rest of their life. Like, that's a good thing. Yeah. Like, no, it's not good that somebody did that or that we have to lock somebody away or, you know, maybe have the death penalty or whatever. It's not a, it's yeah, not good. But in order to reconcile, but in has order to, to have justice, yeah. that's a good thing. So, uh, I just, I, I know we've mentioned that a couple of times, but I just wanted to bring that up again, because you may listen to this and say, why are we spending so much time talking about this book that isn't in the Bible and these like fantasy giants and drinking, killing yeah, human, right, eating yeah. humans and drinking blood and all and this the stuff. Federal Reserve. And it's, it's, I think I said it in the, yes, oh man, <laughs> I think I said it in the first episode, but you know, we talked about having a self-centered Christianity versus a Christ-centered Christianity. Exactly. And you, you have to realize that like the Jewish belief that, that we inherited as Christians, mm -hmm. that Paul lived with and, and right. Jude and John and all these guys. Right. What they thought was that Jesus, when he died and ascended, uh, he, he descended, which mm -hmm. is, we're going to get that yeah. in the book of Enoch. And then when he ascended into heaven, he fixed all of these problems. Right. He, it's not just for, it's not just for us. Right. And that's why I feel like Christianity is not just, um, just, you know, how does this apply to me? How does this make me feel better? How do, how can I be a better person? It's, it's not for me and about me. It's I'm part of this huge story that's been going on right, for, right. for And I think that's millennia. why, like, when you, when you understand this, 
And when you finally see it, that's why it can get kind of aggravating when you sit in a modern church service and you're hearing about, you know, whatever the the three-step plan is yeah, to make you, my you're finances getting, uh, better. It's you, like, dude, you're like... You're getting the latest John Maxwell, how to be a productive person. Right, you know, and Bible. not that those things are bad yeah. or evil or they shouldn't be there, like, but when you see behind the curtain, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like... Dude, there's so much more yeah, than and like, I'll, and I'll just say like all of that stuff about how to have a good family and how right, to how to have order. Like, you yeah. need that. You do need that kind Definitely. of teaching. But it's practical, man. When, like, what I don't hear many celebrity preachers talking about now is the Great Commission: go win souls and make disciples. Yeah, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. Mm-hmm. What Jesus is saying that I, he's basically saying I've restored order. I have all authority because yeah. he was God and man. Exactly. And so this is what he's talking about. He he defeated these guys. Right. You know. Yeah. And so I showed and, you. I showed you a few days ago. Al Marino was talking at the Birthright Conference, and he was talking about in the Book of Revelation where John is you know he's having this vision and the one of the angels hands him the scroll and it's this scroll he what alberino says is the deed to the earth and he's like who is worthy to open this scroll you know yeah and it says that john wept you know go read it and it says that he wept bitterly and he was like why man why is he weeping over this scroll you know and it's like because nobody was found worthy to open it other than jesus yeah the lamb yeah he was the fix for all of it. Yeah. He was divine. He was also human who sits on a throne as a man. Like we forget that, that like Jesus ascended back into heaven in his like human form. Yeah. Like as a man, like yeah. he is a man today. And he, that's the whole idea of a mediator between God and man is that he is still a man, a divine man, right. the divine he man. He represents us. And he yeah. connects both realms back together perfectly. Yep. He's the one that's worthy to, to open the scroll. I, I just, when I started studying this stuff, it sounded crazy at first. And then I was like, but you know what? The gospel, like the Great Commission, go go into all the world, win souls and make disciples. That makes so much more sense. Like a lot of people, I think, think of that as like a sales pitch, like, Oh, your life will be better if right. you become a Christian yeah, like me. It's so not that and you, at all. And you and you learn all these ways to share <sighs> the gospel and debate and you know apologetics and stuff. And people think like I, this is a sales pitch. I have to convince this person to over? be a Christian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But really, it's it's Jesus is reconciling us all back to Him. And so the Great Commission, I I was more fired up for that like after studying this stuff because I realized like. I am a messenger now. Yeah. I'm you go into all the world and tell them like, Hey, we, we have been accepted back. Jesus has made a way for right. us to be brought yes. back to the family of God. Yeah. Like he's the answer to all these problems, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it just kind of moves it past that. Like, like, Oh, I, I wear this brand of clothes and I go to this church. Like yeah. that. I, a lot of people, your Christianity or your religion is just something you put on your resume almost. Right, right. And it's like, no, it, this is the, this should be your paradigm. This should be your worldview that like Yahweh is God. Right. Jesus made a way for us to come back to Yahweh, to himself. Right. And uh, that's well, why also, we have to win souls and make disciples. Because everybody also, should be com- coming back. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And when you say coming back too, it's also this proclamation of the gods have been over overruled. Yeah. Like he has taken all the authority in heaven yeah. and on earth. So you have this idea, you know, in Deuteronomy 32, where, you know, the nations are split up and given over to all these other gods and the gods enslave them, you know, and they're like human sacrifice. You know, we're going to continue, you know, what the Nephilim started and what the Watcher started. 
and it's this enslavement. And you get into all this stuff like Dr. Laura Sanger gets into it. It's just incredible. But, yeah. you know, that's another. Even Paul does this at the Areopagus. He goes and he's like, I see all these gods that you're worshiping. You don't have to worship them anymore. Yeah. Like you're not enslaved to them anymore. You've been freed. Yep. You're free to now worship Yahweh. Well, and that's a that's a perspective too that like you again, if you think of it as like a sales pitch, Paul was trying to convince them to give up their way of life and become a Christian. They thought back then, and there's writings from Plato that show this yep. that like they We're thought we're supposed the, to worship this god. Yeah, though. <laughs> I live here in Athens. <laughs> right. I'm supposed to worship this god. And they were right to yeah. a certain extent. And Paul like, said. No, you're allowed to worship a different God you're now. free now. In fact, he's inviting you to come back. Exactly. So Paul, Paul, it wasn't just saying, like, abandon your gods. He was, he was almost saying, you have permission to leave. Exactly. Like, yep. you leave the kingdom of darkness and join the kingdom of and light. And it's this whole idea, just like the, you know, we always think of the, the, the Egyptian exodus as being like, oh, it's this freedom from slavery. And that's exactly what it is. But it's the same here. That's what the gospel is. Yeah. It's freedom from the slavery of the other yep. gods that God... Uh, we're judging the nations with. Yeah, man. Dude, I'm telling you, bro, it's, it is a rabbit hole that never ends, and it's so good. Yeah, man. <laughs> I almost feel like this is, we should just end Woo! the episode right Hallelujah. here, bro. If you feel like I'm all fired up over this now, we didn't talk about um, the divine, what deal they made, what knowledge did the, right. did the yeah. humans well, get. Maybe we can talk about that next episode. Yeah, we can, we can do that. We can pause our book report for now. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a good note to end yeah, on. Yeah, it's really good. Um, Who's the Lord? And we and we got some spoilers for our Genesis 11 and the nations topic. Mm, so uh, the ziggurats, y'all have have that to look forward to. Now you kind of know what we're going to talk about with Portals Genesis 11. And ziggurats and aliens coming down on mountains. Yeah, man. So this has been a really good discussion. I think it it should ignite your curiosity into the Book of Enoch and into the curiosity of like things that are not so talked about in the open in church or, you know, your university or Bible yeah. college or some of these things just are not looked at the way they should be. Yeah. We're, we're not trying to deviate from the biblical story, the gospel. We're not, not trying to draw people away from it. We're showing you like, there's a lot of footnotes. There's a, yeah, there's a reason we're, we're looking into these extra biblical <laughs> yeah. things. These because ancient cultures. we love the Bible because yeah. we love the gospel. It really makes it more sense, but that's the ancient context that those, exactly. that the Bible was written in. So, well, let's get together next week and do it again. Oh yeah. I'll be here. Uh, looking at you audience. Hopefully you're here. Join us on Instagram at behind the curtain PC. Yep. Send us messages if you have questions or comments. Um, you can also email us at behindthecurtainpc at gmail.com. Um, please share with your friends yep. and people that you think need to hear family, this. People in your church. You Give know, us a you, review. If you know, like, hey, that guy at church, he really loves to, like, dig into yeah. the Bible or that that lady, like, share, share it with them. Yeah, well, and again, it. people, uh, man, people's criticism to Christianity just seems so shallow when you get into some of these things. Oh, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Your whole, my whole paradigm is different on, on this stuff now, you know? The, the worldview, people's worldviews are messed up, you yep, know? Yep, Um. So, anyway, uh, we'll finish the Book of Enoch in the we, we won't finish the book of Enoch. We have a few more parts that we're gonna highlight. We'll get back into it. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh and then we'll talk about Mount Hermon. And yes. then we'll see what happens after that. Mm-hmm. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. See ya.